You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast when he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth to an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release a grace to hear what you're saying to the church. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of the gospel. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> so we bring up the concept of fasting. Now there's been times when I would read the scripture and I thought, oh good, the bridegroom's here. We don't have to fast. Yay! I like that. Oh. Do we fast? Hmm. And then what's the purpose of fasting? It's biblical, it's all through Old Testament and New Testament, fasting, and it's like, why do we fast? Well, in times of national emergency, there would be a call to fast and pray, and everyone would go to, to that, especially if Assyria or Babylon was coming to, to do harm to Jerusalem, to Israel, and so there would be, be that kind of corporate national concern for fasting. But as we look at it today, you know, Richard Foster in the celebration of disciplines, he, he has fasting as one of the disciplines and stuff like that. But what is the purpose of disciplines? What is the purpose of fasting? Fasting is, is, is a means by which we connect more intimately with the Lord. And it's like... <clears throat> As this issue came up, and we see that those that are opposing Jesus, and as, as the opposition increases, and as they, last, last time I preached, you know, they, they were trying to go through the, through the disciples of why is he eating with publicans and sinners, and trying to raise doubts in their mind, like, well, yeah, why does he do that? Uh, here, they're, they're coming directly to him and saying, you know, John the baptizer's disciples are fasting, and the Pharisees' disciples are fasting, but your disciples are not fasting. Which makes it look like fasting was kind of expected in the religion of the day. If you were a good Hebrew, you would be fasting. If you were a disciple of the Pharisees, you, you would be fasting. And John's disciples even fasted because they were Hebrews. And so there was this kind of fasting. But here, this once again shows how radical Jesus' entrance, his presence changed some of the religious protocol. Because he's here, and he says, do you, know, do you not know why you fast? You fast in order to be more closely connected with God. And now Jesus, as the bridegroom is here, 
You can't get any closer as a disciple of Jesus than walking day by day with him. And so the disciples were not fasting. It could be that it was on a specific day that they were supposed to fast. I know in Methodism, Wednesday is a day of fasting. Any former Methodists in here? Just us free Methodists? Got a, got a couple of Methodists here. Yeah. And it's like John Wesley instituted that on Wednesdays, all Methodists would fast. Not a bad idea. But your motivation on why you fast is everything. Have you noticed that in the kingdom? You can be doing wonderfully good things for wrong motives, and it doesn't work. Especially when we're fasting, and our fasting is to manipulate God into doing what we want Him to do. Hmm. Now there's a fine line of demarcation between manipulating God and desperately crying out for God to intervene in a difficult situation and in an urgent situation. I don't know how you slice that, but I know in my own heart, I usually know when I'm trying to manipulate God. And if I don't know, it's usually within a day or two the Holy Spirit brings revelation and I say, oh, oh, sorry. But a lot of times, if, if, and today we're not going to get into the logistics of fasting. We just want to look at this passage of Scripture and see what is Jesus doing here as the bridegroom, as the Son of Man, as He's come, as He's, as he's helping us redefine why we do what we do. What is the motivation in our heart and what is the purpose? And the call is definitely one to know and to be more fully connected. So if the purpose of fasting is connection, it's knowing it's deepening our relationship with the Lord. Oftentimes that requires us to make some exchanges. We've got to change the way we do things. <clears throat> There's a sense of order in order to be together that you may have to make some different choices. Um, when you want to know someone, and you know them at a certain level, but you want to know them even more intimately, more deeply, have that, that bond being strengthened, then you might have to change a few things in the process. So this week, Deb and I celebrated our 48th anniversary. Yeah. I married her when she was four. And, uh, and when I met Debbie at 14, going on 15, so I thought, wow, I want to get to know her. And all through these 48 years, there's been that desire to know and to know and to know and to know. But you know, as, as, as the affections of an adolescent is going, all of a sudden, basketball was not that interesting compared to spending time with her. I would gladly give up baseball. I would drop football and heartbeat to spend time with her. 
And it's like, okay. Times with the fellas. All of a sudden, hey, we're going to run down here. No, nah, I'm busy. And so you, you start saying no to certain things if you're going to say yes to other things. In a nutshell, that's what fasting is. You're saying no to certain things so that you can say yes to knowing him more fully. So if it involves food and you say no, during lunch I'm not going to eat, I'm going to come over and spend time with the Lord. Now mind you, you can eat and spend time with the Lord. But sometimes there's something in the cry of the heart that says, I'm so desperate to know him that I will just slide the plate to the side so that I can stay completely focused and connected with him. <clears throat> so fasting is, is amazing to me. As I look at that, there, there are things that we have to say no to in order to be able to say yes to some other things. <clears throat> now in your journey, the Lord will bring you right along. For some of us, it might be He's going to call us to come and spend time with Him right in the middle of a Colts football game. Yeah, Colts. <laughs> and what He's doing there, for some, not for all, but for some, He's trying to help you find out the same thing that he did with Simon Peter. Peter, do you love me more than these? You know, it's a chance for us to get focused on what our number one affection is. And it's like if it's any kind of idolatry of ideology, any, any kind of, whether it's athletics or politics or whatever, if it, if it takes that place of occupying your heart, your focus, your attention, then it's something that you may need to lay to the side for a season or forever so that you can connect with him. <clears throat> There's times in my walk when I put golf on the shelf, believe it or not. <clears throat> so you, for each of us, it's our own personal walk <clears throat> and he is a personal God and he knows how to help bring to, bring to the surface what's going on in our hearts so that he can be the number one affection of our lives. <clears throat> so anytime I think of fasting, I, I can't help but go to Isaiah 58. <clears throat> Time-wise, the whole chapter is fantastic. <clears throat> And I'm going to jump down to verse, or to slide 9, or can slide 9, verse 6. Because <coughs> this gets down to the essence. <clears throat> the context is, is, is that God's people's behaving poorly. And they're using religious... Uh, Disciplines basically to try to manipulate God, and they're, they're pretending and they're they're going, they're acting as though they're they're really loving Him, but their their hearts are are attached to so many other things. But at verse six, 
He stops with, uh, he stops with the indictment in verse 5, and he begins in verse 6 to give the kind of fast that he wants. This is the kind of fast that I desire. Remove the heavy chains of oppression. Stop, stop exploiting your workers. Set free the crushed and mistreated. Break off every yoke of bondage. Share your food with the hungry. Provide for the homeless and bring them into your home. Clothe the naked. Do not turn your back on your own flesh and blood. Then, for all you English Bible students, really notice the thens. This is full of conditions. God's love is unconditional, but his favor is very conditional. And if you want to, to see that, if, then, if, then, watch the flow of this. Then my favor will bathe you in sunlight until you are like the dawn bursting through a dark night. Wow. That makes me want to remove, stop, set free, break off, share, provide, bring, clothe. Don't turn my back. Because then you'll be bathed in his favor. Mm. And then suddenly your healing will manifest. Healing here is not just physical. It's the sozo. It's, it's the physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, relational. It's, it's all. You will see your righteousness march out before them, and the glory of Yahweh will protect you from all harm. Then Yahweh will answer you when you pray. When you cry out for help, he will say, I am here. If you banish every form of oppression, the scornful accusations, and vicious slander, if you offer yourselves in compassion for the hungry and relieve those in misery, then your dawning light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will turn to noonday splendor. Yahweh will always guard you where you go and what to do. I need to underline that verse. I know this is a passion translation, but so many people don't know what God wants them to do and where they're supposed to be, and they're looking for... Check this one out. Check, check verse 11 out and all that precedes it. He will fill you with refreshment, even when you are in a dry, difficult place. He will continue, continually restore strength to you, so you will flourish like a well-watered garden. <laughs> Love that. And like an ever-flowing, trustworthy spring of blessing. Hmm. Your people will rebuild long-deserted ruins, building anew on foundations laid long before you. You will be known as the repairs of the cities and restorers of communities. Hmm. We'll stop at verse 12 there. <clears throat> so fasting... How do we get closer to the Lord? Humbling ourselves. Ah. Can you believe how often humility comes up in the scriptures? Over and over and over. It is one of the things in the spirit realm, in the kingdom of God, that is so absolutely crucial. Out of humbling ourselves, there, there's just so much that takes place. I try to explain it this way, especially when I'm counseling people. <clears throat> Anytime I'm in a situation and I think it's about me, 
I know I'm on the wrong foundation. What do I have to do? What? It's not my fault. What, what, what do you mean? This woman thou gave me, she did eat. No, you know, whenever I think it's about me, I'm on the wrong foundation. I gotta come over and realize it's about him. And when I start to see it from his perspective, what is he saying in this? Why am I so angry about this? Lord, what do you want to show me? Why is this just robbing me the wrong way? Lord, there's something, something inside. When I get on the foundation where it's about him, I'm on the right foundation. Over here, my frustration just continues to increase, and I usually take things in my own hands and try to figure it out and come across. Over here, I'm humbled. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I'm angry. I don't know why I'm frustrated. I don't know why. But I'm, Lord, what meaneth this? What's going on? What do you want to show me? And from there, we can get some movement. We can get some revelations, some insight of what's going on. Humbling ourselves. Not pretending, <clears throat> but being authentic and real. You know, if, if you've been a part of the American church for any length of time, you know how to pretend. You've got the lingo, you've got the language, you know what's appropriate in your community as far as dress and appearance to make uh, everything look wonderful and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and that's kind of what the people of God was doing here in Isaiah 58. They had all the external, they would get the sackcloth and the ash, and they would do all the things to look like they were really humbling themselves, but they weren't being honest with themselves. They weren't being real. Next is to be other-centered focused. If we, if we stay preoccupied with ourselves, it just shows that we're, we're still living over here, and we haven't made the transition to living on another foundation. And I'm amazed that when the kind of fasting, the, the injustices, always comes out. It's always the Lord's cry for people who are being oppressed, who are being abused, being mistreated, who don't have enough. And all of a sudden we realize that, that really to bring the favor of the Lord means that we, we esteem what he esteems. And, and the difficulties that others are going through has an impact on us to where our heart wants to be used of the Lord to help people get out of oppression, get out of bondage. <clears throat> hmm. Verse 6, it says, remove, stop, set free, break off all the things that were to do that they are already in a net negative spot. And then turning it to a more positive, then we share, we provide, we bring, we clothe, and we don't turn it back. We stay engaged with others. And lastly, it's the public display versus pursuing private intimacy continually, not occasionally. Fasting is not just something that you do on Wednesday if you're a Methodist. Fasting is something that the Holy Spirit may call you to, or your own heart may draw you to. <clears throat> I'm interested that when my heart draws me to fast because I want a new set of golf clubs, 
There's a different motive behind that fasting than when I see something and my heart's broken and I'm drawn to fast. Fasting oftentimes is other-centered. It's not self-centered. So then he goes on and he says something about his favor. I love this. I will bathe you in sunlight until you are like the dawn bursting through a dark night. Now that's a metaphor that speaks to my heart. And everything in my heart says, Lord, I want your light to shine. I want the favor that would be upon my life that when I come into dark environments, I see the kingdom being released. I've heard it oftentimes expressed that as, as children of the kingdom, we're not to be thermometers, we're to be thermostats. And some of us get a measure of discernment, the spiritual gift of discernment, and we think that we're just supposed to go around and take the temperature, going around taking the temperature. Oh yeah, this is bad. Oh, you're, ooh, you got oh. Instead of being a thermostat, set the atmosphere with the light that comes in the dark night. Your healing will manifest. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. I just think, yeah. Fasting brings favor, and out of that favor comes healing. Yeah. I'm all about healing. I want to see healing. It's like, come on, let's see it manifest. See your righteousness march out before you. <clears throat> Many of us need to see our righteousness. Now by that, I'm not talking about our self-righteousness, but I'm talking about the righteousness of Christ that's been imputed, imparted, is ours. <clears throat> and the enemy uses all his energy to make sure that we don't buy into it, that we don't believe it, that all of a sudden uh, he introduces a thought and you say, well, I can't be righteous because righteous this would never think like that. And so the enemy's got you back into embracing that you're unrighteous. No. He who knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God. That blows my mind. Are you going to be perfect? No. But you have access to the very righteousness of Christ because he died for you. It's like, okay. See, when you begin to see your righteousness, you're actually seeing his righteousness flowing through you. But when you see it, it's exciting. All of a sudden, the way you see yourself changes from such a worm as I to I'm more than a conqueror. You, you, your perception of yourself is for such a wretch like me to I am the son and daughter in whom is all his delight. Hallelujah. Well, Holy Spirit, would you help us see righteousness, our righteousness? It marches out before you. The glory of Yahweh will protect you from all harm. 
This sounds like Psalm 91, doesn't it? <clears throat> Thousand may fall on your side, and no harm will befall you. <clears throat> Something that in World War Wars, I mean, the, the soldiers had Psalm 91 in their helmets. You know, they were constantly looking at Psalm 91. The glory of Yahweh will protect you from all harm. Yahweh will answer you when you pray. Ooh, you have favor when you pray? Getting answers? Mm. When you cry out for help, you will say, I am here. 58 is just so amazing. Dynamite. <clears throat> he goes through all, he goes through some more, but I think we'll, we'll stop with that because this is uh, a lot to chew on. Now, I don't think they just fasted for a few moments between the arrest and the resurrection. We know from church history that there's, that there's fasting that has taken place. But now the emphasis on fasting is not so much about a religious duty and obligation, but as an opportunity a privilege, a grace opportunity to add to a deeper connection with the Lord. So we'll find the fruit of this sermon by how many go out for lunch after church. <laughs> not. Wow. This is not a condemning, shaming, nor controlling but I hope it's an encouraging word that just says motivation of your heart is everything. Yeah. As, you, as, as the Holy Spirit reveals anything that is rivaling the Lord's affection, deal with it. And if he gives you the grace to fast, go with it. We find in the Gospel, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, it says fasting is one of the, the big three, praying, uh, giving, alms, and fasting. And it says when you're fasting, no one should know that you're fasting. <clears throat> Meaning that if it's truly an intimate connection with the Lord, that should be the reward itself. That's enough. So he says, wash your face. Don't be like the religious ones that draw attention to their physical appearance to where you say, oh, Greg, what's wrong? Oh, I've been fasting for 40 days. We're not doing it before men, which is what he's talking about, about prayer and giving and fasting. It's not to be done, to be seen by men. Is to be seen by the Father privately to make it intimate. I want to encourage you. There was a time in my life when I was fasting quite regularly, and then I got diabetes, and my doctor said, "No, nah, and I kind of listened to that, and 
now I'm thinking, nah, I, I think it's time to reintroduce uh, fasting. <coughs> Excuse me, I didn't get my mute button. Sorry. Gretchen <clears throat> um, Rodriguez is, is the fine young lady that helps Brian Simmons in writing the Passion Translation and some of the Passion devotionals. And she has a, a devotional book on fasting that is excellent. So if you're interested in that, you can get it at Amazon, since Christian bookstores no longer exist. And it's Gretchen Rodriguez, and it's a, a, a journal, a kind of a, a, a devotional on fasting. And there's a multiple ways in which you can use it. Let's pray. You've expressed your love so wonderfully to us throughout the worship and throughout the scriptures. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us so deeply. Thanking, thank you, Lord, that whatever we give you, you take great delight in. Yes. And we discover as we give you what little we have, whether it's just our two mites, our two pennies that we put in, Lord, you're honored, you bless. And you begin to do something that stirs within our heart that says, I want to do, I want to do more. I want to know you more deeply, more intimately. And so, Father, I pray that you would use this message today to move us to a place of longing, longing for intimate connection with you. We thank you for all the encounters, all the experiences, all the the times of being in your presence that we've known up until now. But we ask, Lord, that that would just be the launching pad for this next chapter in our lives, that we would know you like we've never known you before. Not that you're gonna reveal yourself contrary to what you've already revealed to us, but we pray for a, a full disclosure of your love, of your mercy, of your grace. We pray for the fullness of righteousness release it to the glory and praise of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.